Masechet Yevamot, Daf Lamed Gimel. Yesterday, we saw uh, two machalokot that have some similarity. The first one was when two brothers married two sisters. And Rabbi Yosef said, um, in that case, if uh, that one of the brothers would take one of the sisters, then that would be liable on two counts. Masechet Yevamot, Daf Lamed Gimel. Yesterday, we saw two machalokot that have some similarity and perhaps overlap. The first one is when two brothers marry two sisters, if one of the brothers takes his sister-in-law. So the says said he's liable on two counts, as his brother's wife and his wife's sister. And that would uh, imply that the Biyoseh says, isur hal al isur, that you, ca- you can have one prohibition overlap another and be liable to double. Whereas Bishimon says, no, he is liable only to one. Uh, now, the last opinion we saw there of Ravas says, no, even the Biyoseh doesn't think Isur Chalal Isur. He just is talking about uh, different levels of uh, Rishut and where they're going to be buried in the in the same cemetery as uh, where one person, where, where you're liable to one or liable to two. But we are now going back and uh, uh, to the original uh, prop- proposition where the Biyoseh certainly admits that Isur Chal Al Isur, when it is an Isur Mosif. Uh, the question is, what about an Isur Kolel? Again, Isur Mosif is when the object that is prohibited has more people that are prohibited to it, and there, for sure, Isur Chal Al Isur. The question that we were left with was, what does the Biyose think about Isur Kolel, where the subject the person who is perpetrating, if he has, by the second prohibition coming on, if that includes other things that he is prohibited to, uh, then does that isur chalil isur in that case or not? Uh, all right, so we're leaving that open, and that'll be part of the discussion today. Okay, so in any case, in this case, in the, in the first case, we have Rabbi Yoseh, who does have two, and Rabbi Shimon has one. Then. We saw three cases uh, that we explained in a simple Peshat way, uh, where the B Ichiya uh, involves uh, two prohibitions and Bar Kapara one, like the first one was a Zad, a non Kohen, who performs Avodah on Shabbat. B Ichiya says he's liable on two counts, uh, prohibited a Melacha on Shabbat. And also that he's a non-Kohen, Bar Kapara says only one applies. And uh, the the Peshat of that is about, the, is about the scope of the exemption, as we mentioned yesterday. But now that we have these two uh, that we learned back to back, let's see if we can try to uh, reconcile them with each other. Rabbi uh, and Bar Kapara are Amoraim. Rabbi Yosei and Bishimon are Tanaim. So in a simple way would be to say that this is a, it's the same machloket. Rabbi follows Rabbi Yosei, Bar Kapara follows Rabbi Shimon. But we'd rather not say that because we don't want to uh, have to uh, pigeonhole each Amora into only one Tana. And, and we'd like to omit some tim to uh, uh, limit the number of different machalokot that we have. So now we're going to uh, try, uh, we have three different uh, uh, attempts to try to say what is at the essence of the machalokot between Bichiyan and Bar Kapara. First, we're going to say maybe they both agree with Rabbi Yoseh. 
and arguing within the Biyoseh, and the question is, does Isur, what does the Biyoseh say about Isur Kolel? And uh, Rabbi Chaya would say, these cases, these three cases are Isur Kolel, and he would say, yes, Isur Chal Isur, and Bakapara would say, no, in Isur Kolel, uh, only one. Um, but then we're going to reject that and say, no, because the third case is actually simultaneous, not one after the other. So maybe they're arguing within a biose, and they're assuming that these cases are simultaneously simultaneous and wondering what the biose would say about that, arguing about that. Um, but then we reject that also, and they say, no, we are, are they arguing within the Rabbi Shimon? Um, what would the Rabbi Shimon say about a case where two prohibitions apply simultaneously? All right, that's the general outline of most of the daf. So here we go. What is at the essence of the machloket between the bichia and bar kapara? kolel So first, maybe they are actually arguing on this question of isur kolel, a prohibition that includes on the perpetrator more things that he is prohibited to. If that comes second, then it can apply to the first uh, prohibition that already was uh, upon him. Um, and where they're arguing within the the, the uh, opinion of Rabbi Yoseh. Rabbi Chia Sabah, Rabbi Yoseh, Bisur Kolel, Michayev Tarte. According to Rabbi Chia, he thinks that Rabbi Yoseh does prohibit Isur Chalal Isur, also in, in Isur Kolel, right? And that would apply to uh, his case that he talked about of two brothers and two sisters, and would apply to the three cases that Rabbi Chia discussed. Bar Kapara Sabar, lo mechayev el hada. Bar Kapara says, no, he prohibits only, he does not prohibit Isur Chal Adisur and Isur Kolel, and that's why in the three cases that they're discussing, uh, the, the second prohibition does not apply, and that's why he says only one. Okay, well now let's look at the three cases to see if it can fit. Where do we see that there is the um, uh, the concept of Isur Kolel in each of these cases? So regarding the case of a non-Kohen, at first, let's say on Friday, He's permitted to do any melacha. He can go to work. He can plan things. Uh, he can um, do shechita on animals. Um, he's per- 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 permitted to do all that on Friday. And on Friday, every, I mean, all the time, he's not allowed to come to the Bet HaMikdash to perform avodah. And all of a sudden, Shabbat comes, and now he is prohibited to all melacha. So the perpetrator, right, this Zad, is prohibited in more things because of the second prohibition. He cannot do any melacha. So since this is an Isur Kolel, it's more expansive. So now it will, in fact, apply uh, on top of the prohibition of Avodah. And that's why... Uh, we have, according to the Bichia, we would say, Isur Chal Al Isur, and is, uh, Chayav too, and according to Bar Kapara, he would say that even the Biyoseh would admit here, no, only one. Okay, now that's, so the first case works. Ba'amum, Someone, a Kohen, who has a blemish, he is still allowed to eat 
uh, korbanot. He just can't perform the, in the Bet HaMikdash. And now, itameleh, when he becomes tameh, migodeka mitesar ba'achila, mitesar nami ba'avodah, that kohen, the perpetrator, uh, is liable on other, act, or other activities. He no longer can eat uh, a korban. So since this second prohibition includes more things that he cannot do, therefore we do apply isur chal al isur as an isur kolel, uh, according to Bar Kapara explaining the biyose. However, the third case of Melika, that happens at the same time, at the very second that the Kohen will do Melika and uh, break the neck of the bird, it at once becomes Kodesh, prohibited to eat as Kodesh, and so the Zad would be liable to, to, for eating that. And it also becomes Nevela, because it dies without Shechita. And this is Nevela, and therefore the Zad is also prohibited from eating it because it's Nevela. Both of these prohibitions come at the same time, and therefore we cannot say call this um, isur kolel. It's not um, it's not isur hal al isur be isur kolel because they happen at the same time. So we can't say that this person, the perpetrator, is permitted to more things now uh, when it happens simultaneously, and therefore we reject this line of thinking. It's not Isur, they're not arguing about Isur Kolel with the Nebiose, but rather, perhaps all these cases are actually cases of something happening simultaneously. And that's what they're arguing. Okay, let's see how that works. In other words, because the third case is simultaneously, now they're going to interpret the first two cases also as having to be simultaneously. And we're still sticking that uh, with that, that they're all following Nebiose. So Rabbi Chiyasavah, Rabbi Yoseh, Bi'isur Bat'achat Mechayev Tarteh. Ubar Kapara Savar, Lo Mechayev Ela Hadam. So within Rabbi Yoseh, Rabbi Chiyas thinks that when Isur uh, Bat'achat, when it happens simultaneously, he is also prohibited with two. In other words, according to the Biyoseh, it doesn't matter if it's one after the other or both happen at the same time, as in these three cases. Nevertheless, Isur will hal al-Isur and he's liable to two. But according to Bar Kapara, he would say that when the Biyoseh says in his case of two brothers marrying two sisters that they are liable to two, that's only because one came after the other. So then that's fine. But if it happens simultaneously, then there's a logjam, and both cannot enter at the same time, only one after the other. And therefore, even the Rebiyosei would admit that when they happen simultaneously, as in these three cases, uh, only one prohibition applies. All right, so let's test this out. Where do we, where do we find the simultaneous, simultaneous prohibitions in the first case? So we have a non-Kohen who serves in the Bet HaMikdash on Shabbat. Let's say he was a minor when Shabbat started. And so as a minor, 
is uh, has no prohibition. The minor is not liable to anything. And on Shabbat is when the he grows two pubic hairs and becomes uh, an adult. And so right at that moment. He is liable for being a non-Kohan serving and for Shabbat, and it happens at the same time. And therefore, even Rabbi Yoseh, who says, yes, there is two, uh, when one comes after the other, that's when there's one, and then the second one is bigger, so it covers it. But here they happen at the same time, and that's why Bar Kapara says only one. Okay. We can also explain this in the same way for the second case where someone who has a blemish and he becomes Tameh. So same thing. He was a minor at the first and then he, um, and then he grew, uh, to Sarot. He became an adult and became Tameh at the same time. So now he has the prohibition against uh, a not, uh, someone who has a mum. And it was not that he had a mum first and then he became Tameh, but rather um, he had a mum and was Tameh and then he, he became an adult. And so at the time he has is an adult, that both prohibitions apply at the same time. So that's fine. Or another way you can think of this case is that a person uh, was about a, a person, regular person, regular Kohen. He is Tahad and he is, has no mum, but he cut his finger off uh, with a knife that is Tameh. And so that the same moment that the knife touched him, he became Tameh and the knife as it touched him also cut off his finger, having, having no finger is a blemish. And that's another scenario, gruesome, but true, uh, that you can have someone become Tameh and blemished at the same time. Uh, and the third case is the case that we, the, 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 the case that we, that got us into this at the, to begin with, that Melika, that becomes, uh, uh, prohibited as a sacrifice and and Nevela at the same time. Okay, so that's how we can have all three cases at the same time. You see, we're really pushing uh, all three cases. It doesn't seem to be, to be the shot that uh, this is the case, but we're trying. We want to see uh, if it can work out. All right. Bishlama Now, we're going to have a, a problem with this interpretation. The problem is, if you remember in the story, both uh, Rabbi Chia and Bar Kapara swore that Rabbi Udanasi, their teacher, told them uh, two prohibitions or one prohibition. And so if both are swearing opposite things, this is not, this makes us uncomfortable. We don't want them, uh, we don't want two uh, uh, vows that contradict each other. So we'd like to find some way uh, in which we can understand that Rabbi Udanasi may be taught and he taught Bar Kapara only one, and he was not contradicting himself. And so both vows could possibly be true, at least in the eyes of the other. All right, so we'd like to try to figure out if we can uh, explain it in that way. So uh, this will work for the Bichia, because the Bichia could say, uh, when Biudanasi taught him, taught, taught, um, uh, uh, taught Rabbi Chia, he was teaching accord within Rabbi Yoseh and saying, right, it doesn't matter if it's one after the other or simultaneous, uh, still it will be two. 
And in the Bichia's mind, he can think that when Rabbi Yudana Si taught Bar Kapara, he was teaching Bar Kapara in according to the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. And so therefore, he, Rabbi Chia, can think that Bar Kapara is not lying when he vows that uh, Rabbi Yudana Si taught him only one. That's following Rabbi Shimon. Okay, good. But in, within the view of Rabbi Shimon, and because Rabbi Shimon uh, says that, I heard this from Rabbi Yudha Nasi, according to Rabbi Yoseh, right? That even Rabbi Yoseh, who usually says two, will say only one prohibition applies when it's simultaneously. If so, then there's no way that Rabbi could have taught Rabbi Chia too. Because, right, Rabbi Shimon, all the more so, it says only one in every case. And according to Baruch Kapara, even Rabbi Yoseh, who usually says two, says only one when it's simultaneously. So there is no opinion that would apply two prohibitions when it's simultaneously. And so, in the eyes of Baruch Kapara, Rabbi Chia must be making a false vow. And we don't want to go, we don't want to say that. So now we propose a third interpretation, and this brings us here. Now we're arguing within the Bishimon, although we're sticking with the uh, simultaneous uh, assumption, assumption that all three cases are simultaneous. That's simultaneously. And maybe it's within the Bishimon. Okay. So now let's just look at the vows. Why would they make a vow? Uh, in the first place, Rabbi Chia would make a vow because he needs to extract uh, Rabbi Shimon from his chazaka. What you would usually, what we normally think, Rabbi Shimon thinks says Rabbi Shimon in the case of brothers and sisters says only one prohibition, and so and now uh, Rabbi Chia want, is making a vow so that you'll say, I know Rabbi Shimon says only one prohibition, but that's where it comes one after the other. If it's simultaneous, simultaneous, then even the Bishimon would agree two prohibitions. Okay, this is the opposite uh, argument that we just said before. Before we had a, a bottleneck argument, right? One after the other can apply, but two at the same time can't fit. But now I'm going to say the opposite. This might be a, the turnstile analogy, right? A turnstile, if you, if you uh, squeeze two people into the turnstile at the same time, they both can get through. But if it's one after the other, once the first one goes, the turnstile locks, and then you can't get through. And so in the mind of Rabbi Chia, he could say, listen, I'm, I need to swear because I want to tell you, Rabbi Shimon, who usually says one, that's only if it's one after the other. But if it's simultaneously, I swear I heard from Rabbi that both can get in and you have two prohibitions. So that's why he had to swear. Rabbi Shimon says in a regular case, of one after the other, only one prohibition applies. So same thing with simultaneous, simultaneous, only one prohibition applies. It's just the chazaka. That's the normal thing we would say. He doesn't have to jump up and swear as if there's some chidush here. And so that is a challenge that we don't answer. And then we have the second challenge, which is parallel to the challenge we had before within the Bi Yoseh. And we say, Bishlama le bar kapara, ki atnie rebi le dide. According to Bar Kapara, we, he, in his mind, no one is swearing falsely because he could reason, 
When Rabbi taught by himself Bar Kapara, he was teaching within the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. And then when he hears Rabbi Chaya swear that Rabbi taught him too, he can assume, oh, Rabbi must have been teaching Rabbi Chaya within the opinion of Rabbi Yoseh, who in regular cases too, and here, so here also we'll say too. And that way, he's not coming and swearing against uh, you know, an, uh, an, uh, a, a, a mutually contradictory vow. But in the eyes of Rabbi Chia, if, if if according to him, Rabbi Shimon says two in the case of simultaneous, simultaneous, and that's what Rabbi taught him, then there's no way that Rabbi could have taught Bar Kapara one. For sure not the, for in the, within the opinion of Rabbi Yosef, who usually says two, and not within the opinion of Rabbi Shimon either, because Rabbi Chia just said that Rabbi taught me, according to Rabbi Shimon, that there's two prohibitions when it's simultaneous. And then we would have a problem that um, Bar, uh, Rabbi Chia uh, thinks Bar Kapara is making a false vow. And that's, that's uncomfortable. I mean, you know, it's always possible, but we don't want to interpret it in that way. Um, okay, but we have an answer to this one. Amalach Rabbi Chia. The following is going to be a, he's going to explain a misunderstanding. Uh, so Rabbi Chia could say that it's true. Rabbi, the Bar Kapara did make a false vow, but not on purpose. He just had made a misunderstanding. And so it's not a prohibited vow if, it's, if he thought he was telling the truth. And it's just based on a misunderstanding. What's the misunderstanding? He said, when Rabbi Yehuda Nasi taught Bar Kapara, Actually, he only taught him regarding the first two cases of Isur Kolel Atniyeh. And he was assuming that one happened after the other, not simultaneously, like is the Peshat of those first two cases. Um, and so he told him, uh, he, and he taught him within the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, one after the other. Isur is not Chalel Isur, there's only one. Vadibad Rabbi Shimon. And then, so that's all Rabbi taught him, only two cases. And then Bar Kapara saw the third case in a different context and said, oh, look at this uh, about Melika. And it seems like a similar case. So he assumed that they're all the same. He mixed them together with the first two cases. And then he analyzed the same analysis that we had above and saw that the third case is not one after the other, but simultaneously. And so he said, I guess all cases are simultaneous. If the third case is simultaneous, then the first two cases also have to be simultaneous. And since uh, some, one of those cases, is, he, um, Rabbi Shimon says, Patur, so, uh, meaning only one prohibition. So in all the cases, Rabbi Shimon must say that Rabbi Rabbi Ayuda Nasi must have thought that according to Rabbi Shimon, one is uh, one is liable only to one on one account in all three cases, and that's why he say he swore even in the third case and said, "Oh, yeah, Rabbi must have taught me uh, taught me this." But in fact, Rabbi only taught him regard within the opinion of Rabbi Shimon when they are not simultaneously, that one is liable only one to one count, only in the first two cases, and did not say so in the third case. And so we can forgive Bar Kapara for, uh, for, uh, for swearing, 
and uh, uh, for swearing that the bee taught him it, it taught him this in all three cases. In fact, it only taught him in the first two cases, and uh, that's how the confusion arose. So, if you're feeling confused about this, right, you shouldn't feel bad. Uh, even Bar Kapara was uh, confused about these cases and made a vow regarding it, uh, but he can be forgiven, so uh, we can be forgiven as well. We now have a good understanding to reconcile the original machloket between Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Shimon regarding two brothers and two sisters uh, with the three cases of Rabbi Chia and Bar Kapara. All this uh, seems to have been an exercise in order to prepare us for explaining the next Baraita. The next Baraita is going to refer to only the first two of the three cases, but it's going to present it not as a machloket between the Amoraim, Rabbi Chiyan Bar Kapara, but rather as a machloket between Rabbi Yoseh and Rabbi Shimon. And this seems to be why we had to go through this exercise in order to see how these two uh, sets of cases fit into fit with each other. So here we go. Meti be a challenge from a Baraita. Uh, the first two cases, a non-Kohen that does Avodah on Shabbat, or uh, a Kohen who has a blemish and is also Tameh, yesh kan mishum zarut v'yesh umishum Shabbat, umishum ba'amum, umishum tumah. In the first case, he is both a non-Kohen and he violates uh, Shabbat. In the second case, this Kohen has a blemish and he is also liable because he's Tameh. Dibre Rabbi Yoseh, so according to Rabbi Yoseh, in both of these cases, one is liable on two counts. Rabbi Shimon Omer, En kan ela mishum zarut uba'amun bilbad ve'edu milika shayra. Rabbi Shimon says, no, in these two cases, uh, the first case, one is liable only because he is a non-Kohen, and in the second case, only because he is a uh, he has a blemish. And the second prohibition does not apply to them. That's the end of the Braita. Now, this is strange. The third case of Milika does, is not mentioned here. Why not? Why did this Tana not talk about that case as well? Leman Shayira, for whom did the Tana leave it out? Meaning, which Tana would not agree with this, with that case, that it would be two or one, uh, two for Rabbi Yosef, one for Rabbi Shimon. If he left it out because Rabbi Yosef is the one that would disagree with it, but that's not true. If according to Rabbi Yosef, uh, one prohibition after the other, where the second one is more expansive than the first, and he says two, he says two two counts of liability there, then all the more so when they are simultaneously assuming the turnstile model, right? That if two go in together, then for sure they can get through, and therefore the Milika case should have been included, and you should have said yes to. Uh, liable to two here as well. Rather, it must be that the Tana left out this case because Rabbi Shimon would not agree that it's only one in that case. Rabbi Shimon only said one prohibition applies when there is one prohibition after the other. Even if it's Isur Kolel, it's more expansive, doesn't matter. The second one does not apply. And that's why in these two cases, he says only one count. But if they came simultaneously, like in Milika, then he would have said two. And that's why he left this out. And therefore, and we can see from here that Bar Kapara, who we uh, explained right above, that he was uh, giving his opinion within 
the the uh, opinion of Rabbi Shimon. He was saying Rabbi Shimon would agree that if it's simultaneous, uh, we see that that's not true because this this baraita includes Rabbi Shimon himself and leaves out the third case, and that implies that Rabbi Shimon would not agree that in the third case is only one. He would say in the third case is liable to two counts. Bar Kapara, who in the opinion of Rabbi Shimon said only one count, uh, goes against that, and therefore Bar Kapara is refuted. All right, and now we get to uh, a question of Zar Shishimesh B'Shabbat B'Mai, when we talk about a problem of a non-Kohen serving in the Bet HaMikdash. So a non-Kohen who does anything that a Kohen is supposed to, has to do, that would be liable as a non-Kohen doing Avodah. But now the question is, you said, you said, uh, at, um, according to the Biyoseh, right, he's liable on two counts, one for Shabbat. What Avodah is permitted to a Kohen on Shabbat that would be prohibited to a Zad and would be a violation of Shabbat, such that he would get um, uh, karet or uh, or um, uh, karet if done um, without witnesses or a, uh, um, a korban if done by mistake, korban hatat. Bemai, what act is he talking about? Ibishchita, shechita bezar keshera. If he's talking about doing shechita on the animal, actually a non-kohen is allowed to do shechita. So that's not that would not be a case where he would be liable on two counts because um, uh, because azad is 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 permitted. So that can't be it. If you're talking about uh, receiving the blood in the vessel and bringing it, so in that case, he would be liable as a non-Kohen. A Kohen has to do that, but that's not a Isur Shabbat. What is he doing? He's just moving something. It's not in the Shut HaRabim. So that all, also there, only one would apply. If it's about the burning, that he's putting things, these things on the altar and burning them, well, according to the Biyose, and this is all according to the Biyose, he's the one that says liable to two counts, he also happens to be the one that says um, that if one kindles a fire on Shabbat, that, even though it's one of the 39 Melachot, that one is uh, singled out to say that that would not be liable um, as a uh, at, for a death penalty um, or a sin offering like the others, and the reason is because the Torah goes out of its way to say lo tevaru esh uh, it could, We already know you can't do melacha, and this is one of the melachot. Why is it, why does the Torah have to single out that one? The Biyoseh says to say it's only a lav, a lower left lesser prohibition, and it is not liable to uh, karet death penalty or a sin offering. Okay, so then also, in that case, you would not be liable to two. So we can't find any uh, actual avodah, uh, 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 that any act that would make this non-kohen liable on both uh, being acting as a zad and violating Shabbat. Okay, so we're going to have a couple of answers. Oh, the kohen gadol has to bring a, a par on Yom Kippur. And we're talking about that. That one, even though in general a non-Kohen can do shechita, uh, there is an opinion that says the par of the Kohen Gadol has to be done by the Kohen Gadol and no one else. 
Uh, so that must be talking about that. Wait a second. Well, in that case, you don't have to talk about a non-Kohen. Even a regular Kohen would be prohibited from doing Shechita on that because it has to be the Kohen Gadol himself. He says, you're right. Shezad kamar. When we say Zad here in this case, it doesn't mean only a non-Kohen. Even a non-Kohen Gadol would be would, would violate if, uh, if, uh, if performing this. And that is the... One case we can find where uh, someone who is not authorized, and the non-Kohen Gadol, if he did it, would be violate two things as not authorized non-Kohen Gadol and then violating Shabbat. Okay, and uh, last, Matkif Rav Asheh, Midi Hata'ot Katane, and Rav Asheh says, hold on, what's your whole problem? Did we ever say that, did Biyose in the first place say that he's liable for two sin offerings? Did he say one is liable for two lavim? He didn't say that. He just said one is liable on two counts, right? Whatever it is, doesn't matter if there's a practical uh, effect in the actual punishment. And so there's no practical effect here when he's alive. Uh, there's no additional prohibition. Rabbi right? Yosef uh, still said he's liable on two counts and the only practical effect it would, would, that would, it would have well, it would be when the person died. We had to decide where in the cemetery he will be buried. There's one section for people that violate only one thing and there's another section for people even worse who violate two things and so he'd be he'll be in the worst section uh, but it don't, you don't necessarily have to find an actual practical difference where he would be liable for two sin offerings um, and so therefore it could be talking about um, any uh, you know any, any of these uh, um, any of these acts that one does even a regular Kohen uh, uh, even a regular uh, even Anan Kohen uh, does in the Beit HaMikdash uh, as he performs them on Shabbat. And so here, as we end this sugya, we end on the same note as we did the previous stuff uh, with uh, the statement of it makes a difference only in the cemetery. We now begin the next Mishnah, which, invo which involves a, a problematic case of wife swapping and was going to count just how many prohibitions they would be liable to uh, for doing that. Okay, uh, two men did kiddushin each with their with, with their uh, future wives, and kiddushin is actually more than just being engaged. At that at the point of kiddushin, um, if one of them would commit adultery, it is already adultery. They are mikudashot to their husbands, and so they did kiddushin, and then they're having a wedding. They're doing this in when they come to consummate their marriage, each of the grooms takes the wrong bride. They are all going to be liable for adultery, right? Man A took woman B, so he is liable for taking someone else's wife. She is liable for uh, being with being with another man, and the other way around. All four are prohibited are liable to Eshetish. Vimayuachin, let's say the two grooms are brothers, Mishum Eshetach, then each of them took their brother's wife. And so that is another problem of Erva that all four violate. And let's say the two brides are sisters. This is why it's related to the uh, case above. If the two brides are sisters, then 
each of the men is taking his wife's sister, and all four are liable on that count as well. And to throw in for good measure, if they are the women were in a state of nida, then all of them would also be liable for uh, sleeping with a nida. All right. So now, what do we do if uh, such a thing happened? Uh, what's uh, what's the uh, next step? So you have to they have to separate from all uh, uh, all intimacy for three months just in case they got pregnant from that uh, that interaction and you want to know if they did get interaction you want to know who the father is if they go back to their original husbands the next day uh, then and they get pregnant we won't know is it mamzer or uh, from the wrong husband or is it okay? So we separate for three months, and then they can go back, uh, right? They did, they sinned, but they are still in mikudashot to the original husband, so they can, they should go back and and finish off the proper nisuin to the proper person. And let's say they were minors and uh, they were. Um, they were not. Uh, they could not become pregnant yet before uh, before puberty. Machazinotan Then they can go back to their uh, respective proper husbands immediately because we're not worried that they became pregnant. And if these wives uh, were married to Kohanim, uh, then as married being married to Kohanim, they can eat teruma. Uh, even if they were born from uh, their father was Israel, but now because they uh, were uh, intimate out of uh, uh, they committed adultery, and so anyone who commits adultery is also a zona prohibited to a kohen. And so what it doesn't say here, but is also true, is that they would be prohibited to go back. Right? If, they, if the men if the men were kohanim, then the woman would be prohibited to go back to the Kohanim. All right, into interesting cases, and now the Gemara is going to ask, did they do this on purpose? Are we talking about evildoers who are performing wife swapping on purpose? Is that the case? Right? We don't usually like to uh, bring up cases about people who are uh, perpetrating such evil. Regarding this Mishnah, Rabbi Chiyah had a Brayta that said, we have 16 uh, sin offerings altogether. There's four people, each of whom violated four prohibitions, right? The ones that we listed. And so 16 altogether. Now, if they did this on purpose, then you don't bring a sin offering for a uh, sin offering is only when it's done by mistake, right? Uh, that night, I don't know, they had a, a wedding together and somehow, uh, when they went to their rooms, they went to the wrong, the wrong ones, right? It's happened before in Sefer Bereshit, so uh, it could happen. So it happened, if it happened by mistake, then it would make sense that they have to bring source sin offerings. Otherwise, it wouldn't be. says, no, you should read, not Hechelifu, that they did it on purpose, but rather they were switched, right? There was just a mix-up. And uh, the the hotel room number and uh, such a thing happened was not their fault, and uh, therefore uh, it's uh, we are not talking about the shame, and that's why there is sin offerings. Good. And in fact, we can prove that this has to be the case. Sefa. Im hayu 
um, we said that if they were, uh, if the if the brides were minors, uh, then they don't have to wait because we know for sure they're not pregnant, and they can go back to their they can go to their proper husbands immediately. But if they sinned on purpose, can you go back to your to your husband? Halacha uh, is if a woman commits adultery, uh, uh, consensual uh, adultery, then she is prohibited to her husband. So then they wouldn't be able to go back. Halakashia. No, this would this this would not be uh, a problem to explain. Cause pitui ketana ones ninhu ones bisrael mishra share. No, a case when uh, when a minor girl is uh, seduced, then that's considered rape. In other words, there is no such thing as consensual sex for a minor. If an adult uh, either uh, forces himself on a minor or is able to convince her to agree, that agreement is not an agreement. A minor is not um, does not have the uh, uh, mind uh, set to be able to agree to such a thing, and therefore that's um, even pitui ketana is considered as if she was forced. And any time you have a, a, a married woman who is raped against her will then she is allowed to go to her husband if it's Israel. Not for a Kohen, that uh, would be a problem. So uh, so the, the Ketana case is not a problem, right? No matter what, whether whatever her mindset was makes no difference. She's a minor, so it was always considered rape, and she can go back to her husband. And so it really wouldn't matter. Uh, this, this by itself cannot prove that it's a case of mistake and not purposeful. But rather, there is a good proof from the case of adults, uh, where if the women were adults, and then we have to separate them for three months because we're afraid maybe they got pregnant from the wrong husband and the children are mamzerin, but the implication is that uh, if they uh, if they are not pregnant, they are permitted to go back to their husbands. Now, if they they did the swapping uh, on per, uh, uh, knowingly and willingly, then they would not be able to go back to their husbands. That would be uh, consensual, consensual knowing adultery and prohibited. So, from the fact that the Mishnah says they can go back to their husbands after three months, even though they're adults, uh, means that it must be they they were there was a mistake. It was shogeg. They didn't realize. Uh, they, they were switched, not that they switched on purpose. And so that is the final conclusion. And so uh, luckily we are not dealing with Rishaim, just a really unfortunate mix-up. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.